any other prayer need right over there to my right, your left, anytime during worship or even during the Bible study, if you need prayer, head on over and get prayed for. Here's Psalm 2. I'm going to read Psalm 2. We'll worship the Lord. And then tonight we're in Hosea chapter 3. So that's the plan for the night. But here in the psalm it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed or his Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is the father speaking to the son. Father God speaking to the son of God. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we bow before you, King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods, creator of heaven and earth, God who raised up a people and brought forth a savior for the world. We're thankful, Lord. We don't want to rebel against you. Lord, we want to be thankful unto you. Lord, you are God, we are not. You're the king, you're the boss, the patron, the jefe. You're you're the Lord of all, and we're, we're just so thankful, Lord, that you're merciful and kind and gracious and forgiving, and we bow before you tonight. We worship you tonight. We come before you to worship, Lord, and we pray you'd be glorified and you would... Uh, Build us up for your further glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody who agreed said together, amen, amen. We're gonna worship God tonight. If uh, Maybe you could take a minute before we start and try to find someone you've never met before. Let's make sure everybody who's here gets a good welcome and knows that we're glad they're here, so then we'll worship.
I believe there is one salvation, one doorway that leads to life, one redemption, one confession. I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe in the crucifixion, by His blood I have been set free. I believe in the resurrection, hallelujah, His life is destined. And all praise, all praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has I believe in the hope of heaven. He's preparing a place for me. Far beyond what hearts imagine, ears have heard or eyes have seen. I believe that a day is coming. He's returning to take his bride. Light the altar, keep it burning. See the Lamb who rose a roaring lion. All praise to God the Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome the King who was and is and evermore will be. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe. And no one ever be ashamed the gospel of Jesus Christ how could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life and no I'll never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ how could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life and no I'll never be ashamed Gospel of Jesus Christ. How could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? All praise to God the Father. All praise to Christ the Son. All praise to the Holy Spirit. Our God has overcome the King who was and is.
will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Father, tonight, God, we want to be met by your spirit, Lord. We want to be met by your presence, Lord. We want to be captured by your grace in this place, Lord. Renew our spirits tonight, Lord God. In the middle of this, this week, Lord, I know some come in here dragging in tonight, Lord. Some are on the mountains, some are in the valley, Lord. Wherever we are in our walks, God, we pray that you would have a word tonight, Lord, that would... Encourage and uplift, restore the broken. Cover us with your, I don't know, your, your confidence, Lord God. That we are more than conquerors through you, Lord. We know that. Sometimes we forget it, Lord. As we worship you now, as we sing these songs of truth, no matter how many times we sing these songs, Lord, the words remain true, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for constantly guiding us, even though we sometimes take a detour, Lord, you bring us back. You're so faithful and we thank you for that, Lord. We'd be lost without you. Humble us tonight, we pray to meet with you and to allow you to work, Father, in your name. Treated heaven to have me 
beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ the King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Jesus, you are my king. Let's sing that. And Jesus, you are my king. 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 Death could not hold you, the criminal before you. You silence the most of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. And you have no rival, and you have no equal, and now and forever, God, you reign. And yours is a kingdom, and yours is a glory, and yours is the name. What a beautiful name it is, and what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. And what a beautiful name it is, and nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Lord. And all the God's believers agreed by saying, Amen. Let's welcome Pastor Greg. Reminder again the prayer room is open tonight, every other Wednesday. We've got a group of folks in there. They, their, their ministry, their love, their passion is prayer. And they always leave a note here tonight. They're praying for the sick, people that feel lost, looking for direction, for relationships, struggles, or any other prayer needs. So if you need prayer, it won't offend me if you get up and walk over there. If you're like, what's this guy talking about, man? I'm gonna go get prayed for. Better use of my time. But uh, if you're new, we're so glad you're here. We, uh, on Wednesday night, we're studying through what we call the Old Testament. Jesus called it the Law and the Prophets. But it's a story. It's a story that's of an actual history. There's all sorts of archaeology in Israel. Everywhere you dig, they dig down, they find stuff that affirms everything that we find in this book. But God is, when mankind fell away from God and we were separated from God in our sin, God raised up a nation 
And through the nation, he promised to bring salvation, redemption to the whole world. Okay, so this book is actually the history of how God has been coming after you forever. Okay? God called one man named Abraham. He started this nation with him. He said, come with me. He was in southern Iraq, the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he brought him and he said, I'm going to give you this land. We call it the land of Israel. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. It's huge, huge promise to give one guy and his wife 4,000 years ago. Okay? Well, these people that God raised up, we call them the chosen people. They don't call themselves, they didn't call themselves that. God says, I've chosen you. Not that you are in and everybody else is out. That's not the biblical definition of chosen. God elected a people that he would raise up through Abraham's descendants to know God, to be close to God, and that they might make him known to the whole world. That's what it means to be chosen. It means chosen to make God known to the whole world. That's why Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because God so loves the world. Most famous Bible verse, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we come to the book of Hosea, we find in a nutshell what the whole Old Testament shows. Two great extremes. The extreme sinfulness and failure of the people that God chose. As depicted in this woman named Gomer. Okay, every time I say that, I'm just like, Gomer? Yeah, golly, right? Gomer Pyle. (laughs) But her name was Gomer, and she was Hosea's adulterous wife. And we also see the extreme faithfulness of God depicted in how Hosea loved her and was called to love her even though she was always wandering off to other men. The overview of chapter one, scandalous story. Okay, we're in chapter three tonight, but chapter one, the overview, the quick ramp up, if you weren't here for the last couple weeks. Hosea is commanded by God. Hosea the prophet is commanded by God to marry this adulterous woman named Gomer. God says, I want you to go marry her. And she's, she's already cheating and she's gonna continue to cheat, but I want you to marry her. And then Gomer bears him a son and he's instructed to name the son Jezreel, which means scattered, because God is gonna scatter Israel. The Assyrians will come in and they'll be scattered all over the place, all over the world. And then Gomer bears another child, an illegitimate child, it seems, with one of her lovers. And God says, I want you to name her No Mercy. And then Gomer seems to bear another illegitimate son. And God said, name him not my people. And then in chapter one, we shockingly see as God's building this thing up, that he then renews his covenant with his radically unfaithful people. Okay, the scandalous story of chapter two, God calls 
the people to repent and he even ponders giving them what they deserve by divorcing them. Okay? You know what mercy is? It's not getting what we deserve. Okay? You know what grace is? It's getting what you don't deserve. God is, the, God is full of mercy and grace. Praise the Lord. That I don't get what I do deserve and then he just loads me on with benefits and blessings that I don't deserve. Okay? But instead of divorcing him, we saw in chapter two, the plot twists and instead in his love, he pursues them. And by his grace and his power, he restores them to himself. And now we go into the scandalous story. This is scandalous stuff. (laughs) You know? This is the scandalous story of chapter three. For the third time, Hosea is commanded to carry out an unthinkable command. Notice what it says in verse one. And then the Lord said to me, Hosea says, go again, Hosea, and love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. This woman is his wife, Gomer. I want you to go after her again. She's off with another man, sleeping around, prostituting herself out, if you would. She may not actually be, it's interesting, she may not actually be an a prostitute, but scripture refers to adultery as playing the harlot, okay? That, that word, uh, that phrase appears all over the place in the Old Testament, playing the harlot. But here God instructs Hosea to go find his wife who's out there cheating on him, go find her and love her, is God's command. And notice what it says. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods, okay? They had turned their back on God, on the sacrifices God prescribed at the temple through Moses, which was a picture of what God would ultimately do for us in Christ. That what God had instructed Moses, that sacrifice that was in the tabernacle and then at the temple, it was a prophetic foreshadow of the work, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, so when the, the chosen people turned their back on it, it was like turning their back on the gospel that was there in advance. And they turned to these dead idols, these, these images in their minds. They created the, their, their own gods out of wood and stone. They carved it. and This was unacceptable to God. For you inevitably become like the God that you worship. If we worship the true and living God, we become like him, living, breathing people that can see, because God can see, that have something to say, but if you worship a piece of dead wood or stone, you become blind and with nothing to say, and it's degrading. So God was upset that his people had turned from him to these dead idols. And so he tells them, go out and, Pursue your wife. Go find her with the guy that she's cheating with. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. This was raisin cakes were involved in their sensual kind of paganistics. Their idolatry involved sexual practices and raisin cakes were part of 
part of that whole thing. That God commands Hosea to love his adulterous wife and not divorce her here. This shows that though Deuteronomy 24.1 and Matthew 19 where Jesus spoke, though, it, though, though divorce was, is permitted, if a spouse cheats on another spouse, you're permitted to, to divorce. Moses said it and Jesus affirmed it. Though it was permitted as adultery breaks the marriage union, those passages, God doesn't demand divorce. Did you know that? He doesn't demand it. And there's been people that have made this mistake, you know, and just really wreaked havoc in relationships. Some of them have been, I've, I've known, I've seen people, God restore. I don't want to personally go through that whole thing, <laughs> you know, it's like, Lord, keep me. All the drama and the pain and the, the wasted years and the wasted time and the resources and oh, the heartache and all. But divorce is not demanded. And it's amazing when a couple can work through that. It's just absolutely amazing. But not everybody can handle it. And so Moses and Jesus gives a way out. But if God demanded divorce in the case of adultery, then here he would be going against his own command by telling Hosea, I want you to go find her and love her and woo her. Okay? For God to call Hosea to go love his cheating wife shows also that our modern idea of love, our ho- the Hollywood idea of love is very different than how God defines love. Today, probably almost anyone you bump into, their concept of love would have nothing to do with their will. Okay? Today, it's all about feelings that you either have or you don't have. And people obey feelings as if feelings are God. I must, I, I'm, I must be true to myself. You ever hear that? What they're saying is I gotta be true to how I feel right now. And what we find in scripture is that love is largely a matter of the will. And when we direct ourselves to love whom God calls us to love, Jesus even called us as believers in him to love our enemies. How do I feel about my enemies? I wanna choke them to death. I wanna kick them and rip their heads off. That's how I feel and that Jesus calls his followers to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. What was that? Oh. This, this building can take a 10, a 10 on the Richter scale. It's like the last thing standing would be this building right here. Pastor Ed's a very cautious man. That was kind of weird. We find in scripture that love is largely a matter of the will. Okay, it's not just be dictated how you feel right now or not. 
Okay? And when by, with God's grace we go for it and we determine to do it, it can and it will happen. Love will happen as we do what God calls us to do, as we love and serve the people he calls us to serve. And many times feelings will come. This person, you wanted to rip their head off and you start determining by your act of your will to love them. Next thing you know, there's an affection for them. It, sometimes it takes a long time. But we're, just as we are not to walk by sight, but we walk by faith, we're not to walk by feelings. We're to walk in obedience to what God calls us to. Feelings come and go. You know, today you hear so often people say, I just don't love him anymore, or her. I don't love her anymore. And they mean, I just don't have that loving feeling. That's what they mean. That feeling. What feeling? That radical, youthful lust you had, where you just, you're, you just wanted him so bad. When you're, that, you know what? That feeling always disappears. <laughs> you know, hormones change. But love is something way deeper, way deeper that God calls us to. It's for some people that I just don't have the feeling there. That becomes their excuse for an ongoing bad relationship or for a divorce. Okay? This concept assumes that love is beyond or doesn't include the participation of our will, our choice. The reality is this. In your relationship with God and with, in our relationship with even some of our friends and absolutely including our relationship with the spouse that you may have, feelings are gonna come and they're gonna go. You know? There's all sorts of factors. There's physical factors, there's emotional factors, there's hormonal factors, and hormones change. Over time, feelings change. Relationships breathe. Marriage relationships breathe. Okay, but if you stay in it and you love, you're determined to love and not be dictated by feelings, there will be seasons when we don't feel love. Ah, that just warm, fuzzy feeling and butterflies, you'll be looking at them like, you know, he's laying next to you, snoring there, and you just want to smother him with your pillow. That's how you'll feel, <laughs> you know. Or you'll come in, and she won't appreciate you, and she won't tell you that day, I appreciate you so much, working so, you know, and then you're just like, she doesn't even appreciate me, you know. Feelings, feelings. And so God instructs his prophet, I want you to go again. Hosea, and I want you to love a woman who is loved by a lover that is committing adultery. Okay, now this is, wow. This is radically contrary to feeling. And and, and when you do this, Hosea, this is gonna be just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and they love the raisin cakes of the pagans. Pagans. God is commanding Hosea to love his unfaithful wife as a living illustration. This is the ministry of a prophet. Okay, there's a sermon in this. 
This is your sermon. It's a living, breathing sermon that you're gonna, you're gonna preach with your life. You're gonna go after your wife who's cheating on you. And it's gonna be a sermon about my love for Israel who's cheating on me. Wow. Israel was actively committing spiritual adultery against God by turning their back upon him in the worship he prescribed that spoke of who he is. He is self-giving, sacrificial, redeeming love. That's who God is. And they were worshiping these dead idols they made. Okay, this was not only detrimental to them, but the whole purpose of their existence is God has raised them up to make God known in the world. So they're totally dropping the ball on the reason why God has raised them up, to know him, that they might make him known to the world. God's passion and his chastening of his chosen people is his passion for you, because through them comes the knowledge of God. Through them is gonna ultimately come the Savior, Jesus Christ. So God's hard on them in his passion for you and me. That is actually the big picture. They're, actually, they're actively committing spiritual adultery on God and yet God is still loving them. How did God feel about their spiritual adultery? He was grieved. He was grieved. How would you feel if your spouse committed adultery on you? This is how God feels about Israel. He's grieved. He felt really bad about it. But he loves them and he's loving them nevertheless because love is not merely this feeling that we find ourselves in or not. You know, when I think about how I am prone to wander, and I am, I'm prone to wander Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Like the old hymn says. I'm prone to commit spiritual adultery. And yet how loving, how patient, how kind. How, he's, how he bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. This is the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. How he endures all the things that I put him through, that I grieve sometimes his spirit. When I think about how his love never fails through all my wanderings, his love humbles me and fills my heart with gratitude. His love, when we experience this love of God, and this is, this is who we are, guys. You know, some people act like they're so holy or ho- so it's all, it's all a big act. A bunch of Pharisees, you know, acting. We all struggle. You know, we all struggle. It should make us more loving and compassionate and forgiving toward others. We love, the Bible says, because he first loved us. <laughs> and how does he love us? He loves us like this. So Hosea goes after his wife who's actively cheating with other men. As God commanded, he goes after her in love and notice next, he redeems her. He purchases her to bring her home. He says, so I, 
I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. Homer is a measure of barley. We'll talk about that in a second. But it seems that as she's been selling herself out to other men in some kind of prostitution, Hosea paid here, he paid her for her time so he could be with her. You know, and I've heard of, there's, there's a ministry I heard of, I read about it once, that they, they collect all these funds and guys and girls go out together and they actually pay prostitutes for their time. Prostitute, you know, they're waiting to, for a client or whatever. They say, you know what, we're going to pay you for the next hour. And they take her to the side. And they share the love of God. They share the gospel. They discuss ways that there's hope that you can escape this dark underworld. You know, paying for their time, they fill up that hour where she's not going to be with someone else. She's going to be with them. And they're going to show her the love of God. It's powerful. I love that. I love people that get creative like that. What a, what a cool use of money, you know. And I, I was reading about this ministry that does this and they've led so many of these gals out of the prostitution. They bought them. They bought them out of their slavery, you know? And so Zeke, or, uh, Hosea says here, I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. So at this point in her adultery, <coughs> having so broken the marriage covenant, it's like she's not even considered his wife anymore, in a sense. <coughs> Hosea is redeeming her really out of her own self induced slavery he paid for her that's what redemption means right to redeem it means to buy back to buy something back to redeem it something that's been sold away especially in scripture it's sold away into slavery to redeem the fact that he gives 15 shekels of silver and then on top of that he gives this 1.5 homers of barley I think it's speaking here that he gave all of his cash, he gave all the money he had, but it wasn't enough to pay the price. So he went and got 1.5 homers of barley out of his storehouse, which is 712 pounds of barley. But by adding, by the fact that he also gave this 1.5 homers of barley, I think it's saying here, he says to her, you will stay with me many days. He's paying her this huge amount. He's like, how much do you make in your prostitution over many, many, many days? He's like, I'm gonna pay you all that so you're, I'm paying for your time. And you will not play the harlot during this time because I'm buying this time. Nor shall you have a man. You won't be going to any other man. And so too, I will be towards you. I'm going to be, you're going to be with me and I'm going to be with you. For the children of Israel, he goes on here, and he says, shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. So this is a prophetic word here of the coming time when the Assyrians will crush Israel's independence. It will be a very long and hard time of exile and captivity. They will have no leadership, no temple, no sacrifices, ceremonies, no idols either. 
is they will be scattered out of their land. And this happened in history. The 10 northern tribes were attacked and carried away captive by the Assyrians. And this is not only in the the Bible record, but there's in the Assyrian history, there's these cuneiforms and these archaeologists have dug up the record of these attacks on the Israelites. There's these depictions of them being pulled away with hooks in their noses into slavery, into Assyria. So here he prophesies of this time that's coming. But notice verse five. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king And they shall fear the Lord in his goodness in the later days. So though the ten northern tribes are going to be scattered, completely evacuated out of their land, scattered in the later days, in the later days they'll return. And they will seek the Lord. And David their king, David's been gone already for hundreds of years here. What's he talking about? We'll talk about that in a second. They will seek the Lord and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the later days. So this is a far, this is way far off. The prophetic time that this is speaking of is underway right now and has been for over a hundred years. As Jews from all over the world have returned like it says, they shall return to their ancestral homeland. And this passage also speaks of a time that I believe is yet to come when the Jewish people have returned and they will then begin to seek the Lord their God. Most of Israel, the largest portion of Israel right now are secular. Do you, do you, do you realize that? The, 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 the religious and the believing community is very small. But there's coming a time, now that there's been a return, they're gonna begin to seek the Lord. And David, their king, notice there. So this is a prophetic passage of Israel returning to God and to their Messiah, to David, their king. David, when it says here, to David, their king, it's referring to Messiah. God promised David promised him David was messed up (laughs) David wanted to build a temple for God but God said David you have too much blood on your hands I don't I never asked you to build me a house David God sat David down he was brokenhearted, and God said but David I'm going to build a house for you through your line David will come one who will be king of of my eternal kingdom okay and so here there's this prophetic word here that at that the end of the story for this people that are likened unto a prostitute that at the end of them is a restoration to the land and restoration to God and to David their king 
God promised David one of his descendants would be the Messiah whose reign would be everlasting. It would be forever and ever. There will be a king, finally, who reigns forever. The first words of the New Testament. This is the genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew, the first book, right? Chapter 1, verse 1. This, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. In you, Abraham, all families of the earth will be blessed. David, hundreds of years later, through you will come the Messiah, the king, the everlasting dynasty. Okay? We're gonna look at some verses. Many of the prophecies of the Old Testament speak of the Messiah in reference to David as Messiah comes from David from the tribe of Judah, from the lineage of David specifically. Isaiah 55, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me here and your soul will live And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David, speaking of the everlasting covenant and dynasty of this descendant of David, the Messiah. In Isaiah 42, verse five, God the Father is speaking to God the Son. Listen to what he says. Thus says the Lord, the God who created the heavens and stretched them out. By the way, we just discovered that the heavens back in Pasadena at the observatory there. Einstein was involved, Edwin Hubble was involved, that the universe is being stretched out, the heavens are being stretched out. It it hadn't been known to man until 80 years ago. And Einstein changed his mind about the universe. It had a beginning, which is the most mentioned characteristic of the universe in the Bible. It had a beginning. And the second most mentioned characteristic of the universe in the Bible is that it's expanding. And here God says, you know, thus says the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out and spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people and spirit to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. This is the Father speaking to the Son here. And I will hold your hand and keep you and give you as a covenant for the people, as a light to the Gentiles. This is is God the Father speaking to Jesus, his Son. I'm gonna keep you and hold your hand and give you. You are the covenant. Jesus is the new covenant to open blind eyes, to bring prisoners out of the prison, those that sit in darkness out from the prison house. Jesus read these words in the synagogue up in the Galilee region. He said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here I am. Jeremiah 23, 5, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness, a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah 
will be saved and Israel will dwell safely and his name will be called the Lord is our righteousness. Ezekiel 34, 23, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. This is the one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd and I the Lord will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them, I the Lord have spoken. Now concerning all these prophecies about the Messiah being called David, this is the son of David, concerning these prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to Messiah as David or the son of David, Matthew 20, this is New Testament Jesus speaking. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Matthew twenty-two forty-one, Jesus asked them, what do you guys think about the Messiah? When you see Christ, that's the Greek for what is, they, w- they would be saying Messiah, the Messiah. What do you guys think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Jesus asking the, these Jewish Pharisees. They said to him, he's the son of David. We know all the prophecies. He's the son of David. And he said to them, how then does David in the spirit then call him Lord? Jesus was just causing them to think. This is very Jewish. This is a very Jewish way to teach, is ask questions. Get them thinking. How does he call him then Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David calls him Lord, how then is he his son? <laughs> he's, he's, he's causing them to think about what God had said about the Messiah. And here, here he is, standing in front of them. And they weren't able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare ask him any more questions. <laughs> but here in verse five, let's, let's bring this down to a landing. After, it says afterward. So after the northern tribes have been scattered, after experiencing the chastening of God for their idolatry, scattered all over the world in the latter days, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness and the, the goodness of God for these people is gonna be so overwhelming at this future time that they will be trembling. Can you imagine the goodness of God making you shake? That God is just this so good, you know? This is the promised end for these people who are likened here in Hosea to this wayward, cheating wife. Man is unfaithful. Flesh fails. Okay? Do you have confidence in your flesh? Hopefully not. That's why you're disappointed in yourself because you trusted in yourself. And it'll take a certain amount of failure until you stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in the Lord. Then you won't be disappointed anymore. Flesh fails. Even God's chosen people fail. And we need, they need, we need the very salvation we preach. I'm not above my need to be saved by grace, to be sustained by grace. You see? And, but God is faithful. This is the, these are the two extreme 
you know, storylines that run through the entire Bible. God, flesh fails, man fails. Okay, okay, but God is faithful. And he will not let them go. And you know what? He won't let you go. He's not gonna let you go. When he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he wasn't kidding. It wasn't hyperbole. It wasn't just blowing smoke. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jesus said to his disciples. He chastens those he loves, yes, but he will never leave us or forsake us. He that started a good work in you, has he started a work in you? What are you doing in church on a Wednesday night? This is weird. The only explanation is God has started a work in you at some point, whether it was yesterday or like me 43 years ago. If he's ever started a work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ, the scripture says. He's gonna finish. He doesn't abandon projects like we do. He's not like us. He's different. He's in another category. He finishes what he starts. Has he ever started a work in you? He's gonna carry it on to completion. His love is amazing love and scandalous. Afterward, Israel shall return. They'll seek the Lord their God and David their king. And you know what? All this applies to you as a Gentile believer in Israel's Messiah. And if you're a Christian, that's what you are. Isn't that interesting? A Gentile believer in Israel's Messiah, Jesus. And it tells us in Romans 9, 10, and 11 that we've been grafted in to the people of God, like, an, like a wild olive branch has been grafted into an olive tree. Check out Romans eleven nineteen through 24 sometime. More details about you and your part as you've been brought near to God. And you're partakers now of the covenants that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to his chosen people. Read Ephesians chapter two sometime, the whole chapter. Want me to read it and we'll be done? Can you handle a whole chapter of just reading? Listen to this. You he has made alive, you that were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the the spirit that works now in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like others. But God, don't you love those words, but God. (laughs) Our part, we're flailing and failing and drowning, but God, who is rich in what? Mercy. What's mercy? You don't get what you do deserve, right? God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward you in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? You ever wonder what heaven is? What eternity is going to be? I can't grasp it, but this gives you hints of it. He's going to sit you down. He's already seated you. 
And forever and ever and ever, he's gonna try to blow your mind as to the exceeding riches of his grace toward you by God, by God doing acts of kindness to you. What? You ever have a human being act kindly toward you and you think about it all day and all week and it warms your heart and restores your hope? What does it mean that God is forever and ever and ever and ever, his plan is to try to blow your mind as to the exceeding riches of his grace by acts of kindness toward you forever and ever? I don't know what that is. But that's eternity. That's my eternity. That's your eternity. And the bigger goofball you are, the bigger mess up you are, the more that's going to mean to you. That God is being kind to you forever and ever, trying to blow your mind as to the exceeding riches of his grace. That's what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of your works or your performance lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance that you should walk in. Therefore remember, dial into this, that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision by the Jewish people, that at that time you were without Messiah, without Christ, you are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, all the covenants that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. You were without hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off, you've been brought near through the blood of the Messiah. For he himself is our peace. He has made both one broken down the middle wall of separation between us and the Jewish people, the chosen people. If you're a Gentile believer in Israel's Messiah, you're called chosen in him. The scripture calls the descendants of Abraham the chosen people. Gentiles who've been grafted into the people of God are called chosen in him, in Christ. We're now chosen. What does that mean? That you're going to heaven, everyone else is going to hell? No, it means you're called to know God now and make him known to the whole world. That's what you're chosen for. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, he created in himself one new man from the two, making peace, that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross. This is Jew and Gentile. And he came and he preached peace to you that were afar off and to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We've been grafted into all this stuff that God's been doing in these people. It's all ours now having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Wow, there you go. This all applies to you as a believer in Jesus, the Messiah. This love is for you, it's for me. Praise the Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for holding this building together during the earthquakes, for Pastor Ed being so cautious and building this place so strong. We praise you that you hold our lives together, Lord. We thank you for this love, this mind-boggling love. (sighs) Lord, I am the prostitute. (laughs) I am the Pharisee. I am the blind man. I am the woman at the well. I am Zacchaeus, Lord. I've done shady stuff. You are Jesus. And you've come for me. You've come for us to save us, to redeem us, to buy us, to love us, to woo us. And we thank you that you're gonna win you're gonna win over even our flesh in the end. You're not gonna let us go. You're never gonna give up. You're gonna have your way, Lord. You're gonna, you're gonna, your love's gonna conquer it all. We thank you that we get the, the end of the story even while we're living out the middle. Praise you, Lord, for this love. We ask that you would keep us reminded of it Lord, that we would take the bread and we would take the cup and remember this incredible, mind-blowing, redeeming love that you have for us. This is our life source. This is our strength. So pour it out on us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray for your glory and our greater joy. And everybody who agreed, said out loud together, amen. Hey, if you're here tonight, Maybe there's one person even, you've never received the Lord and you, you wanna make that clear between you and God, I'd love to pray with you. I'm gonna be on the edge of the stage. If you need prayer for anything else, these guys are still in the prayer room, go get prayed for. Say hi to someone on your way out. Maybe get a name. We'll see you next week, chapter four. God bless you.